to the Story Walk, a podcast by storytellers for storytellers. And we hope that means you. Whether you identify as a storyteller with a capital S or if you just like to tell stories in your work, say as a teacher, librarian, counselor or a community leader. And not forgetting, if you're a parent or a grandparent looking to share stories and values with your family. And since the Story Walk is presented by Feast, the Federation of Asian Storytellers, our focus is on sharing Asian stories, celebrating tellers from the Philippines in the East to Turkey in the West and countless storytelling communities that lie in between. Welcome to episode 8 of Storywalk Season 2. I am Anamika Bharti from Singapore, your host for this episode. And joining me as co-hosts are Meenu Shivaramakrishnan and Nidhi Gujral, both from India. Together, we would like to thank all our listeners for showing so much love to our podcast. If you have been listening to Storywalk Season 2, you would be knowing that we pick a unique theme for each episode around which all the three segments, that is, Miso, the kids segment, Dim Sum, the adult segment, and Fortune Cookie, the multilingual segment of our podcast, are based on. The theme for this episode is Moon, that enchanting best buddy of our planet Earth whose world revolves around it. We humans have been fascinated by the moon since the beginning of time. So much so that it has inspired so many people to write and tell stories about it. And with so many stories around the world on the moon, you shouldn't be surprised that we have dedicated this entire episode to it. And not to forget the moon festival that is being celebrated in Singapore as we speak. We are surrounded with beautiful lanterns on the streets, parks and my favourite mooncakes to relish. Oh! That sounds interesting and I just can't wait to hear more about this in our pantry segment. But before that, we of course have a grand and perfect entree with our storytelling expert Geeta Ramanujam from Bengaluru, India in Ace the Story segment where she shares her valuable inputs on the importance of rehearsing a story. In our first segment, Miso, we have Annabel Castaño from Spain to share a Korean folktale about a brother and a sister that turn into the sun and the moon. Annabel is a bilingual storyteller, an archaeologist and museum educator from Argentina. She intervenes her three professions and works on building bridges between material and immaterial culture through traditional stories from all continents. Once upon a time, there was a woman that lived with her son and her daughter. They were very, very poor, and she made rice cakes to sell in the markets to get some food or some money to take home. One day, when she had not sold all the rice cakes that she had in her basket, 
she took the long winding road back to her house and she met a tiger. The tiger was terribly hungry and when he smelled the rice cakes, he told the woman, give me your rice cakes. The woman offered him the largest one that she had in her basket and he ate it and he let her go. But on the next hill, she found him again. The tiger again said, give me one of your rice cakes. And she gave him the second largest one that she had in her basket in exchange for her life. The tiger ate it and let her leave. On the third hill, the tiger was waiting for her and he asked again for a rice cake. And she gave him the last rice cake that she had in her basket. And she thought that this would be the last encounter with the tiger because she was not that far away from her house. But since this was the smallest rice cake, the tiger was still hungry, so he ate her up. The only things that he did not eat were her clothes, which he wore. And then he approached her house and he knocked on the door and he asked her children to open the door because there was their mother, which was a tiger dressed up. The children found that the voice that was at the door was not the same sweet voice of their mother. It was a very rough voice. So they did not open the door and they tried to see whether the hands of their mother was the same. But they were striped hands and they had claws and they were not the same. So they realized that that was not their mother, but a tiger. And the children ran away from it. And they climbed a tree. And when the tiger tried to reach them, it was impossible for him. And the children said that they were able to climb so fast because they had dipped their hands in oil. So the tiger went to look for some oil. And when he tried to climb, it was even more difficult for him. But eventually, he got one of his claws on the trunk and one of his other claws on the trunk. And he started climbing and climbing and climbing and approaching the children more and more. And at that point, the brother and the sister started praying to the heavens, saying that if the heavens wanted them to live, there would be a rope falling from the sky. And there it was, one rope for the brother and one rope for the sister. And they climbed it. And they climbed and climbed and climbed until they were so far away from the tree and from the tiger and from the earth that they stayed on the heavens. In the meantime, the tiger also asked for a rope, and a rope that was very thick, but was made of straw and was rotten. That's the rope that he got. And when he started climbing and climbing, he did not get too high, and the rope broke. And he fell and died. Meanwhile, the boy and the girl were in the heavens and their hearts were so big and their love was so bright that the boy started shining and shining and shining until he became the sun. And the girl, the girl started shining softly and silver and she became the moon. But since she was the younger sister, she was a little bit afraid of the dark and she eventually 
asked her brother if they could change places because night was a little bit scary for her. And he became the moon and she became the sun. And even nowadays, they are still up there in the heavens. Sister Sun and Brother Moon. This Korean story that explains the origins of the sun and the moon was told to me by a Korean student living here in Buenos Aires. A long time ago, I was a teacher, and she told me this story after I told her the story of the children of Pachamama in the Andes mountain range in South America, who also climbed a rope to escape danger and became the sun and the moon. Although, in that case, the sun was the brother and the moon was the sister. Such a wonderful story, Annabelle. It somewhat reminded me of the wolf and the seven little goats story. But then again, there are so many versions of these folk tales, so similar but yet so different in different cultures, right? I feel it speaks so much about the imaginative power that the stories evoke. Thank you for sharing it with us. And now it's time to head over to our next segment, which is Dim Sum. And in this segment, we have Deepta Vivekanan from Chandigarh, India who will be sharing a story from the Indian mythology. Deepta has been an educator for a few years and a professional storyteller for many more. She performs for audiences in schools, colleges and corporate organizations. She's also a storyteller in residence in a private school in Chandigarh, India, where she helps teachers use storytelling as pedagogy. Deepta loves to tell stories about stories, strong women and political satire. Mercury Rising, a Puranic story about the moon and a star. Chandra, or Soma, is the god of the moon in Hindu mythology. He is associated with the night, the plants, fertility, imagination, emotions, and the mind. There are many stories about how he was born. One says Chandra was born to sage Atri and his wife Anusuya after the sage performed a penance for thousands of years, asking for a child. In another, he was born out of the tears of joy that flowed from Sejatri's eyes. And in yet another story, he emerges from the churning of the ocean, carrying the elixir Soma in his hands. He was so bright and radiant when he came out that the devas were almost blinded by his luminosity. And so they gave him a place in the sky and the status of a god. Whatever story you choose to believe in, know this that Chandra is considered one of the undisputed lords of the cosmos. He strides across the sky in his chariot every night, pulled by ten white horses or sometimes an antelope. He's young and he's immensely proud of his good looks. And with youth and charm come passion and desire. And this story is one of the many romantic escapades Chandra had that landed him in a bit of a spot. And here it goes. Once, Chandra had decided to perform the Rajasuya Yagna, or the royal sacrifice, to celebrate his lordship over the skies. He requested Brihaspati, or Jupiter, 
the old revered teacher and priest of all the gods to conduct this ritual. Brihaspati agreed, of course. Now, back in the day, it was believed that a man could not perform a ritual without his wife by his side. And so, his young and comely wife, Tara, meaning star, accompanied him to Chandra's abode. The moment Chandra and Tara set eyes on each other, they fell madly in love. Tara was in a loveless marriage with Brihaspati, who was quite the philanderer himself. And as the ritual progressed, Chandra's brilliance grew and grew and grew that Tara could no longer resist her desire to be with him forever. In her heart, she knew she belonged with Chandra. The moon and the star are seen together in the sky after all. Now, the yagna was over and it was time for Brihaspati to leave. With all due respect to you, I'm staying back here with Chandra. I shall not return to a life of boredom and dissatisfaction, Tara declared. Prihaspati was furious as he was insulted in front of his student and that too by his own wife. Chandra smirked and that angered him even more. Turning to Chandra, he said, You ought to be ashamed of yourself, Chandra. Your teacher's wife is like your mother. I shall curse you if you don't return her this very instant. You, you who have no control over yourself, you have no right to tell another man what to do. You may be the teacher of the gods, but you have no moral ground to afflict a curse on me. Don't you know, O great Brihaspati, that your wife has been virtuous after every menstrual cycle? She's as pure as milk. You can claim no right over her. And she has done nothing wrong. At this point, Brihaspati could say nothing to defend himself. He went back to his house, his ego bruised. Although he had really paid no attention to Tara all this while, her absence made him long for her. Throwing his pride aside, he decided to go back to Chandra's place to demand Tara's return. Halt! You have no permission to enter. We have orders to keep you out, said the guards. How dare you stop me? I, Brihaspati, the chief priest of the gods, need no permission to enter. I shall burn you and your master to ashes. And as the guards moved forward to physically stop Brihaspati, Chandra came out hearing the commotion. Send Thara back at once, Chandra, or there shall be severe consequences. You're wasting your time, O learned teacher. What could an old man like you possibly do with a young and beautiful wife like Thara? You ignored her all this while and now you talk as though she means everything to you. What I do with my wife is no concern of yours, Chandra. I order you to give her back to me right this minute. Say or do whatever you wish. I shall not send her back for she came of her own accord. I shall not stop her, however, if she herself wishes to leave. Snubbed again, Brihaspati stormed off to Indra's palace. He ordered Indra, the king of the gods, to intervene and have Thara released. And obeying his teacher's words, Indra went over to Chandra's abode. You have made a mistake, Chandra. Now don't be foolish and make it worse. Return Thara now. I command you as your king. Thara, who was a silent observer until now, stepped forward to speak. Indradev, I left Brihaspati willfully. It is not Chandra's fault by any means. A marriage works only when both the husband and wife are equally happy. I've been miserable throughout. 
Prihaspati is an unscrupulous man. He forced himself on his own brother's wife. How do you expect me to remain happy with such a man? And why should I not leave him, Indra? All said and done, Tara. He is your husband and a wife's place is with him. You must return at once. <laughs> That's very rich of you, Indra. The whole world knows about your amorous encounters with wives of other men. And you have come to advise us. At this point, the war of words turned into a real war. A war amongst all the gods. Chandra sought the support of the asuras or the demons, who were only too pleased to fight Indra's army. A fierce battle raged on for many weeks. A battle of ownership. A battle of choice. A battle of love without an end in sight. There was chaos in the universe as the gods and demons fought for pride and honour. Things were spinning out of control and it was time for the creator Brahma to intercede. He decreed that for the sake of order, Tara would have to return to Brihaspati. Tara had no say in the matter, of course. A triumphant Brihaspati took her home with him, his pride restored. However, he did not know that Tara was pregnant. And the question arose as to whose child it was. Chandra, assuming that it was his child that Tara was carrying, began preparing for the naming ceremony. But Brihaspati would have none of it. Another argument ensued and was about to blow up into another war. And once again, Brahma intervened. Tara, only a mother knows who the father of the child is. Tell us, he implored. Why, it is Chandra's, of course. Chandra was thrilled, and as soon as the child was born, he named the child Buddh or Mercury. And so, dear listener, if you look up at the sky and spot the moon and a star in close proximity, you know now what's going on. In this myth from Hindu mythology, the important aspect to note is that Tara is an empowered woman who chooses to walk out of an unhappy marriage. Now, although she's sent back to her husband, she's not punished for adultery uh, by Brihaspati or by Brahma. And there's a strong portrayal of consent, especially when Chandra says Tara is free to leave when she pleases. Tara also has the final word on who the father of the child is. There's simply no question that after her declaration. And Tara is a woman who unabashedly exercises her choice. She's not just a woman mooning over a man. And in telling Chandra's story, Tara emerges as the real star. Thank you, Dipta. That was an interesting story. I've never heard it before. And it goes to show how accepting the mythological world is of a woman making her own decisions, which I can't say happens often in the real world, does it? Anyway, thank you once again. Moving on to our next segment, Ace the Story, where we have been bringing experts from around the world and interviewing them. Over the last seven episodes, we have been learning everything right from finding a story to using body and voice while telling and embellishing it with sound effects, musical elements and props. And today... We have with us Geeta Ramanujam, a master storyteller, trainer, author and academician with over 35 years of experience. Geeta is the founder and director of 
Kathalaya's International Academy of Storytelling in Bengaluru, India. She has also been mentioned by the Honorable Prime Minister of India for her contribution to storytelling recently. And in today's episode, she will be sharing her expertise on how to rehearse and tell our story. Welcome, Geeta Ji, to our podcast episode, Rehearsing Your Story. Without further ado, I would like to ask you to make some opening remarks. Thank you for inviting me on this Expert Speak platform uh, with the topic, Rehearsing Your Story. Uh, thank you, Storywalk, and thank you also, Feast, for providing the platform. So how do you rehearse a story? Rehearsing a story. Well, don't you think that's kind of almost the preview of a huge uh, setup, like a, when you have rehearsed for a drama many days and the lines, and then finally you have to preview it, right? <laughs> yes, you are right. So it's almost like a preview, and I've come to that last step. And thanks for believing in me. I think that's more important. Because over 40 years, I've been doing stories and telling stories to people. And uh, have I been rehearsing this for the past 40 years? Well, I'll first of all begin with what is it to rehearse a story itself? As you all know, I, it's nothing new that storytelling is an art. And when we say art, people usually think it's music, dance, drama. Uh, but they don't know that telling is an equally important, wonderful act, isn't it? And it's a beautiful act and it's a beautiful art. So when two people are involved in deeply listening to each other, you know, it is this art is something unique because it's going beyond our individual selves because there are two people definitely involved in direct storytelling. First of all, you have decided to take the first step to be a storyteller. I've decided to be a storyteller and I have to uh, know where to begin, right? So first of all, you'd like to do a course or you want to begin with equipping yourself. And then you're all ready. You want to be a storyteller. You want to tell stories. And then you see uh, like the building, you've seen the site and you know what are the requirements? You have a designer, an architect comes and shows you the design and you say, these are the materials that I require. This is the brick, this is the mud, this is the cement. And think of every possibility because once you build this house, which is going to be an expensive affair, you cannot bring it down immediately, okay? You can only add to it. Like you can add one floor and the second floor. So think of it deeply, which I would say is wait, pause, and reflect. So you have the story in mind. You have the bricks and cements for building this. So you have all that in your mind. That's an interesting concept. I never thought of it like that. People sometimes say, oh, I'm a natural storyteller. Or someone might say, I'm a professional storyteller. So... Is there a difference between the two? Is there a difference? Yes. Sometimes we are genetically equipped 
to be able to grasp a story in no time, right? Yes, I got it. I got the beats of the story. I can fix the song. I can see the pictures and I'm ready because I can time it. And I have to rehearse this once or twice, or maybe three times. And I've got the story. They are gifted storytellers. But those who have just got a story, how do we be? So let me take my own example of what did I take to rehearse my story. So the first story I thought of was about 25 years ago. And I found the story. I conjured the images in my mind because I didn't write. I'm not a writing. I'm not a script person. So I didn't read the story. I, I saw the story. So when I saw the story, I said, hmm, I could see this huge, big mountain. I had to just translate it into words. So I said, uh, a huge, big mountain measured the heaven and earth and stood in solitude. These are the words I first got. I'm the same. I visualize the story first. Hmm. It gets me thinking. So how should one connect with the audience? So when I told them the story, I could see them. I was not caught in myself. Remember, this is an important reflection. I looked at their faces and I knew that they were listening. And I felt connected. I felt comfortable. And I found that there was a compassion that was rising between the storyteller and the listener. There was a transaction of compassion. I could feel it in their faces. Well, I think that's an important step, isn't it? So I knew I had connected. I knew that there was something stirring within me because I was experiencing the solitude of the mountain and I was transferring this thought which I felt, which I saw, which I smelt, which I saw everything to the listener. And my focus was the listener and not in myself. And I think that's an important step. As far as the structure of the story was concerned, I just went on with it. Because once you get their attention in the first five minutes, I think you've got them. So true. What is your advice in regards to a story? Remember, storytelling is a very serious business. You have to feel comfortable with your tale. So when you want to begin, begin with a known tale or a tale that you like, that has touched your heart. Feel comfortable about it and be willing, be wishing, and you have to be wanting to tell that story. And then what exactly happens on that platform as you stand there and you transact that tale is something unexplainable. It is magic. One cannot preempt it. You can only prepare that much. So don't get too caught up in analyzing too much of yourself. Not in the beginning at least. So that's how I began. And I'm going to only share what I began and what I experienced and what I shared with all the listeners in my programs. So when using a story, do you think they should keep the original story? So what if, what happens? 
as you go on in the storytelling journey. The minute I think I know, the minute I think I'm the best, your learning stops. I think you need to keep rediscovering yourself from time to time. And this does not mean that you compare and contrast and you say, oh my God, that person is telling the story much better than I am. I think I need to be better than the best. Does not work. Don't underestimate yourself. Don't overestimate yourself. You want a new story? Read it aloud. Read it aloud several times. That's what I do these days. It takes me a while to get to a new story. Well, uh, if you ask me, what about the known story? Well, the known story was the mountain and the bird. And what did I do over the years? I just decided that, oh, this mountain and, and, and the bird are conversing with each other. Let me build this tale. And that's where audience come into question. If the audience are willing, which I told you, I always listen to the listeners. So when the audience are ready and they're ready to listen, I say, let me add a song. Let me add one more character. Let me uh, put in a moon. Since we're talking about moon tales, I stretched the story because the listeners were adults and they were deep into my story. And so I added this moon. I added one more bird. I added animals. I added sounds. Roar! The elephant sound. Eh -oh, eh -oh. Frog sound. But I'm saying that some stories grow and evolve over the years. And some stories lend themselves to remain as they are. Some stories you shorten. For instance, I know I heard... Antonio Rocha from Brazil tell the long story of the crocodile at the head. And I shortened it because somebody said, give us a two-minute story. And so I just added only gestures and just sounds. Once upon a time, there was a crocodile. And then, hey, little hen, there was a hen that came and said, hey, brother, don't eat me, brother. What? How am I your brother? You also legs, I also legs. <laughs> and the foolish crocodile never got the clever head. Well, so these are things that you can adapt as you experience the stories. Is it okay to pause during telling a story? The best way to prepare is to keep pausing. These mini retreats is what I call, is a very good way for us to regain perspective, balance, and calmness and peace of our inner lives. Remember, the internal aspects of a storyteller are as important or perhaps more important than what you see outside. So if you want to find peace in your inner selves, which you're going to transmit to the listeners with the fast pace and sometimes chaotic nature of our outer lives, then these pauses and reflections are very, very necessary. Is reflecting on your story an important step in rehearsing and perfecting your story? I find my own sacred space in my home. I have a place in my home which I uh, love to sit and reflect and think about that story. And once I feel comfortable, once I've read it aloud many times, I have 
told it aloud many times and i think i have the props ready or i say my bonus what is my bonus sounds if that is my strength music if that's my strength or just the tone of my voice <laughs> or the snake slithering through the grass the movement of my story once you're all set don't be ambitious don't bring in props and tools and music and this and that and mess it up make your dish simple but effective yes i get it what would be your advice to all the storytellers out there first of all let me sum it up saying go beyond your individual selves look for connections don't be caught in yourself attend storytelling conferences and festivals but don't keep changing analyzing on the outward periphery look at your own strength and potential you don't have to be the best storyteller don't feel that you have to compete with the other storytellers it's not a scheme you know this is grassroots this is touching the lives of people so know a tale before you begin so it's almost like cooking where you pick up the vegetables that you want to cook that day wash them and clean them and then cook and after the cooking you clean up these are three stages and you have to think through that process before you begin your story don't complicate yourself while cooking don't say i should have cooked like this i should have cooked like that oh let me add this masala let me add that no oh my god my accent is this the way david campbell sang that song for me no oh i'm not getting the accent what about what about if i have to tell an international audience fear remove and at the same time watch out for your words but don't get caught only in the words so look at your staircase of learning climb it one step at a time if you fall down pick yourself up again remember you've climbed one more step when you climb up the process of excellence in yourself is more important than the end and the means so when you read a story read it aloud simplify it if that's what you want it to be you don't have to mug up and retell that story as it is verbatim no you have that license when you tell a story read it aloud several times to hear your own voice don't think of actions props gestures everything at the same time only look at the words when you're telling when you're reading that story to all the tellers be it professional tellers or natural tellers or even those who have been telling in for years and years and years and i love the sacred space because i think we have to develop both within and without to be able to be transparent to the listeners and there would be no doubt in the listeners minds be it children or adults because they will be completely absorbed by your story once upon a time there was a cat and she was a very proud mother cat 
She had three little children because she was a cool cat. And she was a storyteller cat. And these three little kittens were suckling. Then at the door, she saw a street dog. And this street dog was... His mouth was watery. She was cool. She just turned around and she did bow. And the dog ran away. The little kittens, they looked up at the storyteller cat. And she said, it's always good to know a second language. You just have to know that storytelling becomes your second language. So be comfortable, go ahead and tell yourselves you're capable. And as I told you earlier, everything will happen like magic if you're willing to tell that story, if you're wanting to tell that story, and if you're wishing to tell that story. <laughs> I've heard this story before in a different version but I enjoyed your adaptation of it. Thank you, Geeta Ji, for your words of inspiration and advice to rehearse and tell a story more effectively. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anamika. Thank you, Feast, again, for providing this lovely rehearsal space for me to tell my listeners about how to rehearse or practice a storytelling piece. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Hey, what's that I hear? Is it coming from the pantry? Let me step in and check it out. Nila nila odiva nila mal odiva malai mele yeriva malligai pookkulduva nila nila odiva nila mal odiva Wow that is so smoothing Minu what is it that you're singing Thank you Anamika So this is actually a Tamil rhyme a very popular one in fact i can say that there cannot be any tamilian who has not grown up listening to this moon song hmm and just like how my parents sang this song for me in my childhood i too sang this to my little one and i still remember the twinkle in her eyes and that priceless toothless smile that she had every time i sang this song to her and of course the actions that would soon follow you know it's the same for me just the mere mention of moon brings out so many feelings and emotions especially from one's own childhood right i have grown up on lullabies and poems and songs and stories of the moon where it assumes different forms and relationships with us you know in hindi there are various songs for children which refer to the moon as chanda mama mama being a close relative and when we grow up we even start comparing the beauty of the moon to our beloved 
That's the kind of versatility in our associations and perceptions of the moon. Not just that, the moon is also such an integral part of the Indian mythology. It's considered as one of the gods and has countless legends attached to it. But that probably is the case all over the world. The moon brings precious memories for me. I remember in India, my cousins and I used to wait for summer so that we could lay our beds out, sleep under the open skies, watch the moon and the stars, and best of all, listen to my grandmother's stories. Those were the days, simple pleasures in life. And now, in Singapore, I get to celebrate the moon, but in a different way. That is, the Moon Festival, also called the Mid-Autumn Festival. While this is a festival that falls on the 15th day of the 8th lunar month, when the moon is believed to be the fullest and the roundest. It's difficult to tell where the festival originated from because there's so many versions of it. The version I know is where two lovers were separated because the wife drank a potion that made her immortal. And this was to save it from getting into the evil hands. But as she became immortal, she goes up towards the heavens but stops on the moon. And the husband, sad to see his wife go and desperate to get messages to her, wrote them on a lantern and he let them flow up into the sky in order to communicate with her. Up they went to the moon. Hmm, see, moon is just so fascinating that we can keep going on and on about it. But let's keep that for another day. For now, let's hear what feast has in store for the month of October. Starting 5th October, FEAST is launching an eco-story circle, a special interest group to help participants share stories rooted in factually correct science. On the 8th, we have the Puppetry Mentorship Showcase, where some of our mentees will bring their puppets alive with their stories. This one is free for all. On the 14th, we have a webinar on creative captioning and how you can use it as a storyteller. We have the peer coaching swap on the 19th where you could bring your work-in-progress stories and benefit from the perspective of your peers. On the 20th, Feast is constructing a free follow-up session to Joe Henwood's Transplanting Fairy Tales where you might like to share some adapted stories from fairy tales, of course. The last one for October is on the 27th, the Improv Potluck, my most favourite, where the participants get to improvise on various fun storytelling activities. Wow, that is a lot to look forward to. How exciting! So don't forget to register and participate in them. You can visit the Feast website for more details and for registration. Hmm. All that talk about the Moon Festival has left me drooling thinking about those sweet, delectable mooncakes. Just in time for our last segment, the fortune cookie, which is sure to leave you gratified. And for this, we have two tellers, Prakriti Agarwal from Canada and Nandita Shankaran from India, who will be telling a story in Hindi and English about the curse of the moon. Prakriti loves telling stories that incite creativity and help us explore our imagination. 
Nandita Shankaran, a storyteller from Bangalore, India, engages kids with stories in different styles and languages. Her sessions are interactive, packed with games, quizzes and activities. The moon, the charmer as always that he was, especially amongst the women. And it so happened that Prajapati Daksha's 27 daughters, also known as the Nakshatras, were married to the moon, Chandradev. They were known as the constellations. Jaisa ki jag zahir hai, sabhi kanyaon ke pita chahate hai ki unke damad unki beti ko khub sara pyaar de. पर इस बार समस्या विकट थी अलग थी एक ही पिता की 27 बेटियां एक ही इंसान को ब्याही जा रही थी एक चंद्रमा से और उनकी शर्त यह थी कि उनका दामाद सभी को बराबर प्यार करे ना रत्ती भर ज्यादा ना रत्ती भर कम बिल्कुल बराबर और चंद्र ने उन्हें यह वचन दे दिया giving each of them equal love as he had promised his father-in-law chandradev was enjoying his married life with his 27 wives but of course like all stories have a twist chandradev's story also had one the promise he had given his father-in-law was to love each of his wives equally but he fell in love with another woman tara and had a son with her, whom she had named Buddh. Now Buddh was given away to Chandradev to be taken care of, and he brought Buddh with him to his twenty-seven wives. Chandra ne fir se vahi vachan apni sattais patniyon se manga, jo unke sasur ne unse manga tha, ki ve Buddh ko chahe kuch bhi ho jaye, apne bacho jitna snehe dengi. पर कहना आसान होता है करना नहीं उन सब पत्नियों में से सिर्फ एक ही थी रोहिणी जिसने उसको दिए वचन की लाज रखी वो बुद्ध को अपने पुत्र से बढ़कर स्नेह करने लगी और फिर चंद्र का उनकी ओर रुझान बढ़ना स्वाभाविक ही था दिन प्रतिदिन चंद्र उनके प्रेम में डूबने लगे दक्ष को दिया गया वचन Rohini ke prem mein wo kab bhool gaye unhe pata hi nahi chala it was but obvious that all the other wives were unhappy with chandra spending so much time with his wife rohini and they all decided and went to their father to complain about this father he our husband chandra is spending more time with rohini and not with any of us he is breaking the promise that he Made to you, father, and as any father-in-law would do, Daksha Prajapati kept reminding Chandra of his promise. But Chandra hardly paid any heed to whatever his father-in-law was saying. Finally, a disgruntled Daksha had to curse him. May you lose your form, and you will be destroyed fully. Daksh ke diye huye shrap se Chandra dhire dhire. अपना स्वरूप खोने लगे और उनकी ऊर्जा की कमी से प्रकृति के पंच तत्व भी प्रभावित होने लगे पेड़ सूखने लगे 
कुछ भी उपज नहीं पा रहा था चारों ओर काली रात का सन्नाटा था प्रकृति का संतुलन मानो किसी ने बुरी तरह से झिंझोड़ दिया था चंद्र को कुछ सूझ समझ नहीं रहा था और उस स्थिति में हार कर वो ब्रह्म जी की शरण में गए ब्रह्मा जी मेरी सहायता कीजिए पूरी प्रकृति नष्ट हो जाएगी मेरी भूल की सजा सबको क्यों मिले दोषी मैं हूं ये प्रकृति नहीं कुछ कीजिए उन्होंने गुहार लगाई ब्रह्मा जी सेड आई कुड है Think, think back to that one night long, long ago, when little Ganesha was coming back from Kubera, the Lord of Wealth's home, riding his little mouse. Suddenly, a snake came slithering across the road, and the mouse got scared. The mouse ran, and obviously Ganesha fell down. And you, you, my dear Chandra. You started laughing at Ganesha. That was the first time you got this curse, and now this is the second time. मुझे इस बात का एहसास है कि मुझसे भूल हुई है, पर उस भूल की सजा पूरी सृष्टि को क्यों मिले? ब्रह्मा जी बोले, हम्म बात तो सही कह रहे हो, फिर तो एक ही उपाय है, तुम शिवजी का सबसे कठिन और अद्भुत महामृत्युंजय जाप करो। और उनको प्रसन्न करने की कोशिश करो वही तुम्हारी नैया पार लगा सकते हैं बस फिर क्या था चंद्रदेव वहीं पर बैठकर महामृत्युंजय का जाप करने लगे ओम त्रयंबकम यजामहे सुगंधिम पुष्टिवर्धनम यजामहे सुगंधिपुष्टिवर्धनम उर्वाकमंधनात मृत्योर्मु After fourteen days, when the moon had almost lost his form, his beauty, Shivji appeared before him. Chandradev opened his eyes, and he said, "Shivji, Shivji, please help me. I have very less time left." Immediately, Shivji placed Chandra, looking like a thin curved bowl, on his head. To stop the curse and said, मैं इस श्राप से तुम्हें पूरी तरह मुक्त तो नहीं कर सकता पर इसकी कठोरता को कुछ कम किया जा सकता है अब तुम्हारा पंद्रह दिन रूप घटेगा और फिर पंद्रह दिन तुम अपने संपूर्ण सौंदर्य की ओर बढ़ोगे इसी तरह तुम सदैव घटते बढ़ते रहोगे जब तक ये सृष्टि है और उसी दिन से शिवजी चंद्रशेखर के नाम से भी जाने जाने लगे क्योंकि उन्होंने चंद्र को अपने शिखर पर सुसज्जित जो किया था और इस प्रकार चंद्रमा को एक महत्वपूर्ण सीख मिली 
वचन दिया है तो निभाना हर हाल में होगा एंड दैट्स वाई इफ यू लुक अप इन द स्काई यू कैन सी द मून स्पेंडिंग ऑलमोस्ट वन डे इन ईच नक्षत्र और कॉन्स्टलेशन लिविंग अप टू हिज प्रोमिस ऑफ गिविंग इक्वल लव टू ईच ऑफ हिज वाइफ इवन टूडे Wow, that's another legend about the moon in my repertoire. I had never heard this one before. The moon somehow always seems to land itself in quite a spot in most of these stories. First cursed by Ganesha, now by Daksha. <laughs> well, thank you Prakriti and Nandita for this story. And with that, it's time to say farewell as we approach the end of episode 8 of Story Walk season 2. We do hope listening to this episode did help you conjure up some of your own memories relating to the moon and maybe you could peep out the window and up in the sky to take a look at the moon and relive them once again today. We would love to hear your thoughts and feedback on the episode so do write to us at storywalk@gmail.com. Now Storywalk is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and other leading podcast platforms. Subscribe to Storywalk and share it with your friends and family. And don't forget to follow Feast on Facebook and Instagram for the latest news and upcoming programs. Do keep a watch on the new website of Feast, feast-story.org for more information and interesting events. We hope to see you back next month. Until then, This is your host Anamika Bhati along with my co-hosts Meenu Shivaramakrishnan and Nidhi Gujral signing off.